Welcome to Blog Talk Radio in high fidelity. In much less detail, the podcast where we cut through the noise and give you your NFL breakdown in much less detail. Here are your hosts, Jay and Dre. I don't know what time it is. It's the time for In Much Less Detail, the podcast. Here with you live on a Wednesday night, November the 15th, 2017. I'm Dre, he's Jay. We promised last show to be on Tuesday night to break down week 10 in the NFL, but it's my fault that I got a little too tired last night, so we moved it to Wednesday. So here we are on the show that goes to 11 Central Time, live, and 12 midnight live on the East Coast. And we have an after show, of course, after that as well. It is another sort of confusing week in football. I don't really uh, know what to, to make of everything that's been going on. I'm looking at these these list of league leaders and and division leaders and the top teams on top and it's just not it's not making all that much sense to me jason i don't know if you can make any sense of what's been going on but uh the the season doesn't seem to be getting any clearer as we go on to me maybe you feel the same way it seems to be more muddled is with each passing week that goes goes on here i i really do fall down and fall back to this idea that I just don't think we want to believe. I think that we keep waiting. A lot of these teams, I think we keep waiting for the other shoe to drop and it's just not dropping. And what we're looking at right now as the best teams, you know, on paper, you know, the AFC is, I think, a little bit more what we'd expect. You know, you've got New England and, you know, Kansas City's pretty good, although they've stumbled a bit lately. You know, we've got Tennessee, right, Jacksonville, who you and I both liked, uh, and Pittsburgh. So that's not that's not too out of, out, out of the ordinary. It's the NFC. Holy yeah. shit. Yeah. The NFC – I think is what's really throwing us for the loop where you've got the Eagles, the Rams, the Rams. I mean, that's, that you can right. stop right there. Kings just keep winning games with, with, you know, Case Keenum. And then you've got New Orleans and Carolina who have just completely turned things around from for, for two franchises last year to look completely dead in the water. So I think I, 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 I'm with you halfway. Because I think the AFC is playing out pretty close to what we both expected. I think we're just so blown away by what hap- was happening in the NFC that it just feels like everything is upside down. Yeah, you could stop with the Rams, but it's the the next two weeks that kind of blow me away what their uh, opponents are going to be for Week 11 and Week 12. The game of the week in week 11 is going to be Rams-Vikings. 
Now, you had the Vikings yeah. winning the division before the season started, so that's not so much of a surprise to you. That's a shock to me that Rams-Vikings is game of the week this upcoming week 11. Week 12, the game of the week is going to be Rams-Saints. What? What What are we talking about? What's What's going on here? It's, the, the, the Saints are maybe are even more shocking than the Rams because of what we just looked at the Saints in uh, after week two of the season. We just looked at them this season and laughed at, at the New Orleans Saints, and they haven't lost since, so the, the joke's on everybody else. Uh, and as far as the AFC goes, I, I'll agree that those teams that are in the, in the lead right now are not all that shocking, but I guess I'm going off of the results of week 10 where those teams at the top, there's Pittsburgh once again playing down to their competition and not covering the number against the Colts, and, and they were trailing by 10 at one point in that game, uh, or by 14. There's the Titans uh, not covering against the Bengals, and they could have easily lost that game. And then, of course, the Jacksonville Jaguars, your lock of the week, who couldn't get it up against the Chargers and had one of the crazier sequences to finish a game that you're ever going to see, which all resulted in you know the Chargers still covered the number. But those teams that are at the top not playing the way they're supposed to, and that's been going on all year, the teams at the top, even when they're even when they get a win, it's not exactly impressive, and it's not something that inspires a whole lot of confidence. Yeah, and that Jacksonville game, yeah, we had we had the interception that you know I, I came two yards away from my lock coming through. You know, if, if AJ Boye could just go two more yards, yeah, I not only get the win, get two games back on you in the standings, but I also get my lock of the week. Although, uh, you know. Towards the end of regulation, I'd already texted you that both of our locks had already lost because it looked like it was going to go that way. It wasn't the wild finish in overtime that was crazy. It was the it was the regulation time in yeah. that San Diego Jacksonville game where it was just, it was interceptions back and forth. Jacksonville's you know in position, then they throw a pick, and then San Diego fumbles the just crazy crazy end to that game but it, it, you know if you're the Jaguars I, I guess you find like Pittsburgh you find ways to win you're gonna have a few games like that where you just don't have your best and things are just gonna go your way and Jacksonville did enough and so did Pittsburgh I mean for you know yeah they didn't cover the number and blow away what should have been an, an easy opponent um, and they do, wow, you want to talk about a team, especially on the road, a team that just loves to go on the road and just play absolutely to the level of their competition. I mean, the, the, the Steelers sleepwalked their way through the first three quarters of that game, did the usual, like, Seattle move, and then just went, oh, wait, we got we to gotta win this game. Let's, let's, let's quick, 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 let's go get some cheap points and, you know, get out of here. Yay, look, you know, go Pittsburgh, but. <laughs> We're gonna look back at that at the end of the year, and they'll be eleven and five or twelve and four or whatever they're gonna end up being. Because it looks like they're destined for that. We're not gonna go. Oh yeah, I'm not taking them in the playoffs because you remember that game they had against Indy. <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's just one of those middle of the season kind of games. Um, and yeah, and, and Jacksonville, the, that finish was wild. That was a crazy sequence. Uh, I, I'm can't even recall or recap every single thing that happened. You can go 
find that and, and read the recap or if, if you want to do. But the, of course, the one thing that I did tweet out that happened that was so shocking I had to tweet about it was Marquise Lee uh, drew what he thought was going to be a pass interference flag. The referees threw the flags. He gets up and starts taunting the San Diego, LA, whatever, Chargers and doing a little dance in their face. And he gets a taunting flag for dancing in their face on a, on a pass interference call that after further review, we need further review. The referees actually picked up the pass interference flag to begin with. So no defensive penalty and now a 15-yard offensive penalty for taunting on a play that for all intents and purposes look like the Jaguars are going to get the ball first and goal at the one instead they get backed all the way back up for a, a third and 25, I think, or something like that. And Blake Bortles responds to that pressure by immediately getting picked. That was just perfect right there. And one can argue the Jaguars deserve to lose that game, uh, much less not cover the spread. Uh, and you can argue on the other side that they also deserve to win and cover the spread because, as you said, if A.J. Boyer could make it all the way to the end zone, then that would be the end of that. So yeah, there's yeah. a little something for everybody in that game. Uh, so I don't know what the grand takeaway necessarily would be to that one. But for me, it's what I was saying during the pick show before the game started, which is the Jaguars are not trustworthy. You can't trust them to put forth the right effort against anybody because when they win, they usually dominate and just blow people away. And otherwise they're really struggling. They, if they don't dominate you, they really struggle along. Usually they lose these type of tough games that are back and forth like that. And Blake Bortles, in my opinion, did exactly what he's supposed to do to lose those type of games back and forth. But the Chargers are just the Chargers, and so they find a way. How do you lose a game? Do they have the Chargers covered the bingo board now on gut wrenching, heart crushing ways to lose football games? When they did make it to overtime, they blocked the field goal, and it went through anyway. So did, did, whoever had blocked field goal goes through the uprights anyway for the win as the last uh, space on the board to cover for ways for the Chargers to lose a the game. They just covered it on Sunday. Yeah, and then after they get the pick towards the end of regulation, to then fumble the ball back. <laughs> to put them in position for the game's tying field goal. Just just absolutely, absolutely crazy game. But to your point, we how many times have we seen the Jaguars lose these types of games? Yep. And here they are now on the plus side of one and still tied for first place. Well, maybe that's the turnaround. Maybe that maybe that's the thing that makes them kind of look at each other and go, "Hey, we usually shit that game completely away, and we found a way to win it." Maybe things are turning around for us now. Yeah, and I don't know about six and three. I don't think either one of us look at them as a team that's going on like a deep, deep run. But we look at them as an improving team. Both have them as in the wild card this year. So I, I, I don't think either one of us are, you know disapproving of the fact that the Jaguars are rewarding our pick so far. No, it's just that uh, you hear people talk about the Jaguars as, you know, the Saxonville and two games with 10 plus sacks and they're so dominant and look out, here come the Jaguars. They're mauling everybody. Uh, I'm looking at the, uh, the standings and they still are by actually quite a big margin, the uh, point differential leader in the AFC still even after that game so someone that that's posting those type of wins that they've posted 
usually that's a team that you do look at as making possibly making a deep run in the playoffs despite their quarterback being Blake Bortles. But uh, that that's like I said, that's my big takeaway is no matter how dominant the Jaguars have looked in some of their wins, I don't trust them uh, going forward for the long term. Yeah, I think we, uh, you know, let's, you know, we talked about, you know, the Jaguars and, you know, they've had this sort of like slow, you know, steady ascension. They look really good at times and they look pretty bad a few times this year, but we need to we need to give a, a post mortem to the team that everyone two weeks ago anointed as hot shit, and now it has turned into a dumpster fire. What's going on with the Buffalo Bills, man? What's going on? Well, that one game against the Saints is going to make everyone feel like that they're just yeah. Yeah. Like, like they're, they're just... They gave up. How okay? When was the last time the Saints ran for three hundo? <laughs> three. <laughs> and how about six touchdowns rushing? Drew Brees that didn't used, have to throw a single touchdown. That used to be okay. We have to put perspective on this. Three hundred yards rushing for the Saints used to be like half a season. <laughs> yeah, that that would that would be uh, that would be a quarter of the year for Deuce McAllister, and and that would be about it. But did I hear some taps? Did I hear some taps playing there? I, I you did, you did. That was you. You talked about the Bills, and uh, I mean, you got to play taps for a team that loses that badly and then benches their starting quarterback. I mean, obviously something's going on there when you you I'm playing taps for anybody that's that announces Nathan Peterman as their starting quarterback from this point forward because that's just that it, it, is that not a give up move? What are you doing? I think this goes back to the early part and the preseason when everybody was talking about the Bills were in quit mode and I think the Bills came out and maybe played way above their heads, you know. The major league? Well, they came out and they played great football defensively. Is I mean, that's where they were really making all the, the strides. You know, they didn't give up a passing touchdown for like the first four games. Um, their offense was efficient enough, even though it was pretty much just guys. I mean, it was LaShawn McCoy. And guys, I mean, they traded off and got rid of all their best receivers. It was like, yeah, it was literally like the Bills were trying to tank, you know. And then they had, the, you know, they had Tom Berenger in the locker room with the with the picture mm-hmm. of the owner saying, "You guys stink," you know. And they were all ripping the clothes off. Of those, that's probably not what you want to do with the Bills owner. Oh no! But you know, no, so, but, so I think what happened is they started winning the games, peeling off the clothes, and they realized, oh man, we got to start losing. I don't want to peel any more off of this <laughs> thing. Totally tried to go major league, but it's not quite playing out to that script. And then today, to have the news come down that they've benched Tyrod Taylor for for, for some fifth round draft pick. I mean, he's hand he's hand picked though by the coaches, and they got to get their guy in there. But they're, they're five and four, and I don't think anybody looks at Tyrod Taylor as the reason why the Bills are, you know, lost those last two games. Tyrod Taylor didn't give up three hundred yards rushing to the New Orleans Saints. That's we the Twitter joke of the over. day. That... <laughs> we were both completely yeah. all over the. Going on the road into Buffalo. Think about that. Just think of the the the, the, the sea 
change that we were both comfortable taking a dome team to go to Buffalo with their running game. That's right, and we talked a lot about it in the pick show. In cold weather, on the road, the dome team coming out, and they're run first now instead of pass first, never more uh, backed up and, and displayed than what they did on Sunday against the Bills. Running in many different ways in many different directions. Drew Brees even got in on the action and scrambled and ran a touchdown in himself. Uh, 298 rushing yards and six rushing touchdowns. New Orleans, what's up? I, 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 don't, even, I don't even know who you are anymore. You're like the the, the the nerdy girl in high school that comes out, you know, with the halter top, trying to trying to look like something totally different. You're like, you're making people turn their eyes. Like, hey, what, what's what's up with that over there? Huh? Saints. How about the Saints? Looking like a different team. And of course, the defense can't ignore that. That's maybe even more important. Is how that defense has turned things around and, and made you look up and notice them as well. Uh, there are no pushovers anymore. We laughed at them after two weeks, but you can't laugh at them right now. I would say your best defense is running for 300 yards. Sure. That's your defense right there. <laughs> I don't have the stats up in front of me because my computer isn't working at the moment. It's 54% of the way through some ridiculous updates that it decided to do right before the show. But that's beside the point. I don't even want to begin to guess what the time of possession was like in that game. Did the, did the Bills have the ball for like... Assuming they, they absolutely dominated that, that time of possession. There's no doubt about that. And you know, and then, and then the touchdown that the Bills got, this 47-10 to 10 bullshit, that was 47-3 to 3 until absolute garbage time. But apparently, oh, yeah. this, this garbage time touchdown in a 40-some point blowout that this Peterman kid threw... Apparently that was enough for for Sean McDermott to go. Hey, that that's my guy. Well, guess what? You're probably going to be looking at a lot of results like those forty-seven <laughs> to tens if you keep this up. But he'll get you that one touchdown in garbage time. Yeah, we uh, we we see this sometimes that coaches stick in their guys and and they they just display that they never had. You know, had a lot of confidence in the in the original guy to begin with, and that's, that seems to be the case. Pretty obvious that Sean McDermott, took, you know, had Tyrod Taylor as his quarterback, but didn't really want him the whole way. And now he's got the guy that he wants. But and and I don't want to even be on the side of defending Tyrod Taylor. I as anyone who's listened to the show knows, I'm I don't think much of Tyrod Taylor. I don't think he's very good, but. Made sense to begin with. The money they gave him was dumb to begin with. He's a backup. Sure. Or it, it's not fair to call him a backup because he's statistically not that bad. But he's not going out there and, and winning you games. Although that's also not fair because who's he throwing to? Nobody. Less and less weapons as uh, as the year goes on. They keep shedding guys. They bring in Benjamin, but they give him all of one game with Benjamin as his uh, as his top receiver, and that was not good enough, apparently. Yeah, I, forty-one. I the Bills, yeah, the Bills weren't winning that game no matter what. 
41 minutes, 23 seconds, time of possession for the Saints to 1837 for the Bills. When you get over 40, you're doing something. You're dominating. Wow. Yeah. So, yeah, we can. I guess we can just, you know, put put the Bills off into the dustbin. And, you know, you wanted to worry about who was coming out of the soup. I, I think the Bills are now out of the soup. <laughs> no, the the Bills fall back in the soup because the Bills were above the soup at at six and four or at at five and three, and looking to go to six and three with that win. They they would have stayed above the frame. Now at five and four, they're they've totally mixed up in the soup. And with this Peterman kid as a quarterback, doesn't doesn't look like they're going to be emerging from that soup at all. So I, uh, hey, I mean, record-wise, they're in that middle in the soup, but I think I would put them – I'm not even considering the Bills anymore. They're, they're dead to me. They're dead to me. Now, I understand what you're saying there, uh, but I'm a, I'm a little afraid because there's a couple of newbie quarterbacks that actually showed up on Sunday and that I had totally buried and said that they're completely done. My lock of the week was the Chicago Bears, not because they're such a great team, but because the Packers and, and Brett Hundley had looked very unimpressive. And here's Brett Hundley dropping some dimes and making some throws and winning that game for the Packers. And so what do I know? Maybe the Packers back. Who knows? You know, there was one extremely impressive play, and I think you know the one I'm talking about, the one that's on all, all the highlight packages where uh, – Brett Huntley had to roll out, and then he throws the touchdown into the, the right corner, right? It's like a 20-yard touchdown yep. was sort of the one that iced the game. You know exactly the play I'm talking about. Yep. Here's the problem, and this is this goes to the continued problem that I have with that coaching staff, is that play only happened because it broke down, and Brett Huntley had to improvise. That wasn't the shit they drew up. That wasn't the play call. The play call wasn't roll out amazing touchdowns you know drop a dime in there we're gonna we're gonna take this game no the play call was the same boring bland vanilla shit they ran for the whole game but in this case the instincts took over because Hundley got immediate pressure he had to scramble around do the whole Aaron Rodgers thing and he did a really good Aaron Rodgers impersonation he extended the play and he threw the touchdown pass to that point this is what we were talking about in the last few shows that is it really the Packers and the scheme and, and, and the coaching, or is it just the talent that they had with Aaron Rodgers that was sort of transcending and rising above the mediocre offensive play calling and coaching on that team. And then when, when the play broke down and, and Hundley had to move around and use his feet and make a play, Oh, hey, look, something really good happened, but I guarantee you that's not the way they drew it up. Because for the rest of that game, that Packers play calling was very vanilla, very bland. Same thing they were doing against the Saints. Same thing they were doing against um, the Lions. Um, uh, Although the Bears, I believe, should immediately have forfeit the game when they gave up a 40-yard touchdown run to Ty Montgomery. That should have been it. As soon as you give up a 40-yard touchdown run to Ty Montgomery, that's like we called last year was giving up the 88-yard touchdown to the fullback. And it was, I believe, I think that was in the Oakland-Houston game down in Mexico City. 
Ola Zawe, I think was his name. Yeah, where all of a sudden the fullback is when the fullback can go eighty some yards on a touchdown reception. I still think it's worse that you let Ty Montgomery with his like two point two yards per carry or whatever ridiculously low number it is, and he hurt himself in the process because he's he's hurt now because he must have must have torn something because he wasn't used to going more than three yards. Um, as soon as the Bears let him go up the gut for forty. I was, I'm literally watching that. I'm at work, and we got you know, everybody there's Packer fans. I'm like, that's it. They should just call this game. The, the, the ref just needs to step in right now and call this fight because the Bears just gave up a 40-yard touchdown run to Ty Montgomery. It's over. Hey, when he finds a hole, he can hit that hole and take it a long way. It's finding that hole is the problem, but but hey, he found a hole, didn't he? <laughs> Jeez. There's that Bears defense, and what are they doing? Well, I don't know what that defense is. Their one job was to stop the run, and they couldn't do that. And I knew that as soon as they were giving up big runs and giving up chunk yards on the ground, that it was going to be a long day for the Bears. I'm still more shocked that Brett Hundley threw for 200 yards. I didn't think that was possible at all, the way he had played since he took over for Aaron Rodgers. Uh, And I don't want to make it seem like he had an awesome game. But they won the game because, at times, Brett Hundley made some really great throws in some really tight spots. And I didn't think he was even capable of that much. So I have to give him his props just for even doing that. So And so all, all we're really looking at is the Packers went from being one foot in the grave. Basically, they're, they're back on life support right now. Right. You know, and, he, but he said me, me picking against him at Spalai, I didn't think they were going to do that much. So I'm I'm a little right. surprised that they even pulled that off. And they've got Baltimore coming up here on Sunday. And, you know, I don't, I'm not giving away a pick. I'm not saying who I'm going to take in that game. But when you look at it on paper, that is we, – we even highlighted when we looked at that Packers schedule over that three-week span coming up um, – that that was probably the most winnable game for them. I had to say out of the, you know, where they had to win something, something. So, but it, you know, every week with them without Aaron Rodgers, they got to start piling on some wins and they got one in Chicago. And as, as you were, I was a bit impressed. And I don't want to ignore what John Fox did because, uh, you know, dead coach walking, I, still think he's going to be fired at the end of the year. Chicago did not lose the game because of what John Fox did, but what he did was unbelievably stupid. He takes a touchdown or a potential touchdown away from his own team because he decides to challenge. We kind of talked about this type of stuff a little bit on the previous show. Coaches challenging things they can't possibly see, uh, where he has his uh, guy, Benny Cunningham, I believe it was, running and getting knocked out close to the goal line, looked like he tried to extend the ball over the pylon, uh, down, ruled down at the one. John Fox throws the challenge back because he says, hey, my guy actually hit the ball, hit the pylon with the ball. That should be a touchdown, not knowing that his guy actually was fumbling the ball as the ball hit the pylon. But, of course, he can't see that from his vantage point because who could see that? But John Fox doesn't wait for his video people upstairs to tell him, hey, 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 
you don't want to challenge this because he was actually fumbling. You want to take the ball at the one and go ahead and try to score. John Fox goes ahead and challenges, and, and upon further review, the ball was coming out and it's a touchback, and then you lose possession. They didn't lose because of that. It also because they couldn't defend Brett Dunley and Ty Montgomery and Aaron Jones and whoever else was, was balling out there for the Packers in a, in a very good effort for the Packers. The Packers took that one from the Bears, but I did want to acknowledge that John Fox is a dumb fuck and he's going to get fired at the end of the year, and he deserves it. Yeah, you know, and it was only on one replay. There were several replays angles on that fumble pylon, but there was one replay angle where it was like crystal clear that the ball was Ball's gone and hit the pylon. That was it. <laughs> it was done. So, you know, and, and yeah. So you, you brought it on yourself because I guess, you know, that's one of the things where you can throw a challenge, but if they see something that they can change, it wasn't even any more about, was he down? It was all of a sudden about, Oh wait, he fumbled the ball into the pylon. Pylon's part of the end zone. Everyone knows you're, you make the call. It's always a touchback. <laughs> it would have fit right on there. If the runner loses the ball before he goes over the pylon, what's the ruling? The ruling is always touchback. You make the call. And on another commercial, that was uh, once that replay came through and John Fox saw that, he, that was his want to get away moment where the camera just zooms in on his, on his face and he's like, uh. uh yeah, that was his we love challenge you Detroit that. moment. Was that his we love you Detroit moment? Thank you, Detroit. We love you. Detroit was last Detroit night. was last night. <sighs> so, uh. Uh, there's a couple of calls that you had during the last show that I wanted to make sure to acknowledge. As much as I like to, to stomp on you when you make a call that I can make fun of, uh, when you make the calls that, that work, I want to be sure to give you the proper credit for that as well. You were calling for T.J. Yates to take over as the Texans quarterback as soon as Deshaun Watson got hurt because you had no love. You had no time for Tom Savage whatsoever. And I said, hey, Tom Savage has arm talent. I'm ready for him to get in there, and I'm ready for Bill O'Brien to show his confidence in, in his newfound offensive weapons now that he knows what he can do with them, he's going to give Tom Savage that confidence and they're going to take over and they're not going to miss too much of a beat now that Tom Savage is in for Deshaun Watson. And I need to take that gun and put it right in my mouth for having that kind of opinion because that's the type of shit right there that I make fun of when I hear it on other shows. And I'm like, what's that dumb fuck saying? What's he thinking? Well, this time I'm the dumb fuck. Maybe TJ Yates is the answer. I don't know. But you were all over Tom Savage being shit when he first got in there, and you were absolutely right. Yeah, Tom Savage was the guy last year who was so bad he concussed himself. <laughs> he didn't – I clearly just like, you know, what was the easiest way for me to get out of this game because I can't handle the pros? Oh, wait, maybe I should just put my head down and just keep diving head first into my opponents until they concuss me. Because I believe he did it on two straight plays. And just got thrashed about the head and shoulders on both plays until he finally got knocked out of the game. We saw nothing out of him in the first half against Jacksonville, where I think he get sacked. Did he get sacked six or seven times? I mean, he's a statuesque 
back there against Jacksonville, I didn't have any. I had no ifs, ands, or buts about the fact that Tom Savage was going to come in and completely torpedo that team. Deshaun Watson was the thing that really had turned them around. He was, you know, because we already know that that team has, has playmakers. So the Texans suffer the same problem as the Broncos and the same kind of problem as, like, the, the Vikings. But the Vikings, out of the three of those, seem to be sort of, you know, rising above the lack of quarterback talent. And the Vikings probably have right now, if you take those three teams, the, the, the Texans, the Broncos, and the Vikings, all good defensive teams with very suspect offenses, the Vikings have the worst skill position guys out of all three of those teams but they're the team that just keeps winning. And then you've got Case Keenum just completely balling out, throwing, you know, four touchdowns. And, you know, that Vikings team just keeps rolling. When you have these teams with with the Broncos and the Texans that just keep getting their doors blown off. Yeah, the Vikings call is one of my good ones where I I said he really doesn't want to give up that gig now that Teddy Bridgewater is back in the fold. And sure enough, Keenum's showing what he's capable of going for four touchdowns and beating the Redskins. Uh, back to the Texans losing to the Rams. It's not just Tom Savage sucking. It's that the Texans can't stop the pass for some reason this year. And there's Jonathan Joseph getting burned by Robert Woods on a 97-yard bomb. When you get burned by a receiver on a 97-yard touchdown on a double move, maybe that's reason to forfeit the game as well because that game was pretty much over at that point. Uh the Houston defense, I don't want to say they quit. I don't want to call them the Giants, but they, they kind of looked a little quitterish out there after a while. They didn't want to be on the field with the Rams anymore after what the Rams are doing to them. And, hey, that's what the Los Angeles Rams offense is doing to the teams these days. It makes them want to give up. Yeah, you know, and the thing with the Rams, that game was close. That's what I didn't understand. I was I remember it was Sunday, I was at work and I was at work a little late, so I was I was hanging around waiting for things to happen, had the game on. And I'm like, Okay, you know, it's thin, it's a really low scoring game. All right, I'm gonna go finish up the last few things I have to finish up and then I'm gonna go and gonna get in my car and I'm gonna drive home. In the time it took me to finish up the things that I had to do at work, make sure the building was all secure, do all that stuff, walk to my car, get in the car, turn on the radio. It was 30 to 7. <laughs> like, what happened? That's Rams, football. That's Rams football right now. You have the Texans on the side. Like, what happened? You know? <laughs> I, so I, I was stunned. I can't even imagine how the, the Bills must have felt. I mean, not the Bills, the, uh, the Texans must have felt. Blindsided, I'm sure. Uh, the second buy, the second buy in the NFC is, is, is as we move into what's going to be the, the the home stretch, the last quarter of the season is going to be a fight between the New Orleans Saints, the Los Angeles Rams, and the Minnesota Vikings. Uh, do you have any early insight in, as to who's going to emerge from that, or is it too close at the moment? because who do you trust? So hang on a second here. I finally got my oh. computer back working. I'm going to disconnect from the phone line. Ah. 
and, and there he goes. He, he said that he said he's going to disconnect and immediately dropped. Uh, so yeah, Jason will be back uh, on the uh, the computer line, uh, and there he is, uh, where he's going to have a better quality voice sound. All yeah, right, I don't you have are to, on the computer line. line. Thank you. Now I don't have to yell into my speakerphone anymore. <laughs> there you go. And it wasn't so much that it was the hard, you know, the hearing of you. Um, because my phone was almost dead from being at work all day. So I had to have it on the charger and the charger cords, not that long. So where, right. the, where the phone ends up stopping is like a little bit too far away from me. So I'm like, I was like sitting in this real awkward position, leaning forward on my chair, like yelling straight down into my phone. If somebody would have walked into my basement, they would have probably thought that I was <laughs> insane. What's that man doing yelling into his phone like that? No, it's nice to be back on the headset. So the question was, who do I trust into that number two spot? I can't necessarily say that this is like a a lock for the number one spot. I, I'm not sure, you know, do, do we really believe the Eagles are going? Well, we've been hating the Eagles all the way. Salem, so I'm going to I know. I'm gonna back been, off from hating them for the moment. But it's not so much about hating them. It's just they're only a game up. It's not like the Eagles are running away with this thing. The Eagles, the Saints, the Rams, and the Vikings are all within, I believe, a game of each other right now. Unless the the Vikings have only two losses, right? Or do they have three? uh, No, they're all seven and two. That's why I was... Okay, yeah. Putting them all so you've in the same category. Yes, you've got an eight and one. Yeah, you've got an eight and one and three, seven and twos. That's really tricky asking me to to look into a crystal ball <laughs> and say who's coming out of that. Who's the least impressive been out of those four? It's the, probably the Vikings who's been the least impressive. Um just because of the fact that we all know it's it's Case Keenum and and, and iffy skill position guys. I you know, they don't have even though they looked explosive in this last game, I don't think that they have that explosive quality of the Eagles, the Rams or the Saints. I can't believe we're using I can't believe we're even talking about these teams. I know, I know. That's why I wanted to talk about them because it's so incredible right now. So if I had to say, okay, I'm looking at who are the one and two who've been the most impressive so far, if I'm just ranking on not like not what's the remaining schedule, I'm not digging any, I just finally got my computer back working. So I, I, I can't dig into all of that at the moment. I mean, what we've seen so far, I'd have to say the most impressive so far has been, I guess I'd have to go Eagles one. I had to say Rams two and then Saints three and Vikings four. If I had to rank those top four teams, so if you're asking me for who's going to get that second buy, I'd have to say it's probably trending towards the Rams. I mean, the Rams' real only competition in their own division is the Seahawks. You know, who's you know we we all know that that second Big Brother game is happening. Even though the Rams were a, a Cooper Cup drop away from beating the Seahawks and 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 really running away with this thing in that division. You always worry about, you know, the little brother, big brother moment for the Seahawks is is coming because they're going to have that rematch. And if the Seahawks do manage to hang around to make that game relevant, do the 
do the Rams start to get the yips a little bit, you know, and there they go. And then, then they fall down. So that would, that would leave the door open for the saints, but in week 10 through 10 weeks or two went through, yeah, through 10 weeks going into week 11 here now with most of the teams, I believe we have one more round of buys here and then we're done. So with most everybody almost on an even right playing field record wise, I'm going to go Eagles one. Oh, it just, just, it just hurts. <laughs> and Rams, Rams two. The Saints still scare me, although they're 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 really you know even with us picking them last week going up to Buffalo, I guess that proves a little bit of the fact that we're not complete haters on the Saints anymore. If we would take them in that spot, no, it, it's hard to to hate them. What's what's the hate? Um. Yeah, I don't. I didn't include the Eagles in this because at eight and one, it's only a game better than these other three teams. But I guess it's my concession that there's no reason to think they're going to falter. But they haven't shown me any reason to think that they're not going to be the number one seed in the NFC. So that's why I'm conceding that to the Eagles right now. I'm not saying they're going to go on and win the title, but I'm just saying I don't have a reason to doubt them right right this second. They've looked so amazing this season. Um, what I think of those other three teams remaining, and by the way, I guess I'll throw this out there as well, just real short. Carolina having the same number of wins as New Orleans, Carolina on by this week. Uh, so they're a half game behind New Orleans. Did I overlook the, the Panthers in that? Do you think they're going to actually catch the uh, the Saints and, and win the South? No. Okay. And the reason for that is, is because this, this sort of renaissance that they're having with Cam Newton – sort of leading the offense through his running game is going to get him killed. So we're, we're not too far away from that, that sort of like watershed moment where Cam Newton just can't win the game with his legs because he's been battered and bruised and he's out on the field and he shouldn't be. We end up with another, you know, Russell Wilson, you know, which is oh, oh, look, they got caught. Who cares? They're going to pay a fine, but they still won the damn game, so they don't care. Um, they're going to end up with another moment like that where it looks like Cam Newton's out on the field when he absolutely shouldn't be, and that's when they're going to need him the most. So I still don't trust the Panthers because changing their style to be more run-oriented is great, but don't run that through Cam Newton because you're going to get your quarterback murdered. Correct, and Derek Anderson should be getting loosened up and ready as we speak. Yeah, no, I, I agree with that. Um, as far as my long-term reach to figure out which of these three will emerge, I and you're you're right to not trust the Vikings over the other remaining uh, those top four teams because they're the ones by far with the worst point differential this year. They're only plus fifty-two, so. They're squeaking by with some of these wins. That's that's still, still good, good, but that's the other three teams are in triple digits already. The Eagles are at <laughs> plus one hundred four. The Rams are plus one thirty four, which is stupid, and the Saints are plus one hundred three. Um, so I would also not trust the Vikings over uh, the other two teams. I think by a small margin, I would trust the Ram the uh, Saints more than the Rams. The Rams. Just oh my gosh, the thought of uh, of of Jared Goff being that much improved over last year that they can take these 
Bills reject receivers and, and reject some other teams and, and crafts a top-notch offense for the entire season out of that, I'm, I guess I'm just having a hard time buying that. Uh, Are you watching those defense, throws he's making? Rainbows. Those throws he's making, that this is not the same guy. I think we have gone into a parallel dimension. <laughs> Uh-oh. Where Jared Goff has been good all along, and we're just arriving in that parallel dimension. A dimension of space and time. Yeah, that's what it sounds like. I, I mean, completely different quarterback from what we were seeing last year. Just not the same guy at all. So whatever Sean McVay is doing with him, keep keep doing that. Keep that up. But to ask me to trust that offense is to stay together and keep doing that over Sean Payton and Drew Brees putting together the type of offense that they want and for them to keep doing that. I, I, I trust the Saints to keep that up and keep doing that more than I do the Rams. So by a small margin, I would go with New Orleans. Both of those defenses, I think, are similar. They both are kind of rushing and pursuing uh, quarterbacks, maybe at the detriment of containing the, the run game. They both can get gashed rushing upfield and looking back and going, oh, the running back's behind us. Um, uh, and they both are similar uh, in the defensive backfield, I believe. I think they both have some some solid players back there that can uh, knock balls away, make plays on the ball. Um, but just like by small margin, I, I think that the Saints are going to keep doing what they're doing offensively. I trust them to keep doing that more than I trust the Rams and, and Jared Goff to keep doing what they're doing. It, it's tight. It's really small. And I def, but I definitely trust both of them more than I trust Case Keenum, Teddy Bridgewater, whoever's quarterbacking the Vikings to keep doing what they're doing. And I hate to throw shade on the Vikings like that because I respect what they're doing. I respect that Stefan Diggs and Adam Thielen are pretty much making all the plays on the field for them because they have no one else consistently making plays at wide receiver for them. Uh, and Kyle Rudolph is, is hit or miss at tight end some games. The running game is definitely hit or miss. So it's basically two guys out there making pretty much all the plays, and they just keep making these plays. I don't know how long they're going to last for the season. Diggs has already been beat up and, and missed a game here and there. But, uh, yeah, I definitely think they're going to falter uh, as the season goes on. Uh, but yeah, I actually think I trust the the Saints more, and that's that's hard to believe. You know, and the other the other case, you know, and this is going to be this might not be the popular way to go, but the case that can be made for the Vikings as a possible number two is the Vikings play in the worst division of those three. The South is very competitive. Saints, the Panthers, Falcons, nice win for the Falcons down in Dallas. They actually looked a little a little more Falcon like. I mean whooping this whooping this whooping the Cowboys I mean, uh, the way they did. Um I don't care if you don't have Ezekiel Elliott, you can't take a loss like that at home to a team that has shown zero since like week two. Um so Saints are going to have a little bit tougher road to hoe, and the Rams have the Seahawks waiting for them. The Vikings, they play nobody. They play the Bears and the Lions and the Packers. I don't see any reason why the Vikings won't sweep the rest of the way through their division. 
um, which I think would give them a bit of a leg up. So we'll see. And and also, it'd be very interesting because the Rams will play the Vikings. How about that? I guess we'll have a better idea after this weekend. (laughs) Right. Yeah, like I said, those next two for the Rams are like games of the week, both of them, and I never would have thought that. Can you believe, would you believe, if we were back in, you know, making our preseason predictions and we said, hey, you know, in week 11 and week 12, we're going to be highlighting Rams games. No, never, ever would have seen that coming. (laughs) Not possible. Not possible, especially Rams Saints. You know, we're going to... You're going to be highlighting Rams Saints in week 12? I don't think so. Yeah, you We'd expect briefly those mentioned teams to have like five wins combined by that point. Yeah. And then the, the uh, Saints would have four of them. <laughs> I, I tell you, golf just looked like yeah. did, he didn't belong in a league last year. Oh, and it's just a complete no, we trashed him so hard on this show. I mean, we, I went out of my way to point out the bad throws that he was making. People go back and listen to our shows from last year. It was not a lot of love going Jared Goff's way. Yeah, this is completely different. Uh, you briefly pointed out one of my bad picks. Uh, the Cowboys did not survive having no. Ezekiel Elliott suspended. They went to Atlanta and, and wound up not just getting beat, but getting embarrassed because of the fact that one guy kept getting around the corner and sacking their quarterback and they refused to give them any help and stop him. And I don't understand why they just refused to do that. I don't know how Adrian Claiborne got six sacks. It was ridiculous. Uh, Yeah. It was mostly on one offensive lineman. The same guy kept getting beat Chaz green over and over again. They finally removed him late in the game. It didn't matter. Claiborne was still, beating his replacement the, the the solution was to find a way to leave somebody in to help to the chip on Claiborne. they never did that i do not understand why uh but they but the cowboys never overcame that they never overcame messiah sean lee uh pulling a hammy and and oh, leaving no. that game yeah three weeks was, he might be gone that cowboys are done they don't have sean I lee know. I hope they don't have any Sunday night games. I actually, I do hope they have a Sunday night game coming up somewhere in the next three weeks, because then we get to hear Collinsworth crying about, well, that's where Sean Lee would have been. (laughs) Yeah. They would have packages already, you know, to show how much better the Cowboys defense is with Sean Lee than they are without him. They'll have all the pro football focus stats ready to display. And yeah, they'll have everything ready if they do have to, to cover the Cowboys, but. Yeah, I, I hope they don't have to. I, I really do. I just did not uh, know that Sean Lee was going to be like, you know, instant first ballot Hall of Fame material if he could have just stayed healthy. So that's what I get from our media. You're not watching the way they are then, apparently. Uh, no, I'm not. Because <laughs> he's never on the field. The uh, we we I mentioned briefly about the Steelers uh, playing down to their competition once again, and Ben Roethlisberger is still not quite on the same page as his targets uh, because there were uh, some balls that were not connecting with his guys like way over their heads or in a spot where he thought they were supposed to be. 
they, they seem to be trusting Martavis Bryant again. They gave him, he's back in the good graces. They gave him some targets and he made some plays. And of course, Juju Smith Schuster had the, the big touchdown. Um, but they, uh, they still got some work to do to, to get that offense cohesive. Uh, Artie Burns is, is Bryson Brooklyn's guy. He keeps waiting for him to get, uh, get trusted more. And he's the one who's, who's getting toasted by T.Y. Hilton out there. So I don't think, uh, I don't think Artie Burns is, is the, is the answer right now. And now they have to deal with Joe Hayden breaking his fibula. And he was the guy holding it down on the other side of the field. So they might have some, some, bad times ahead of them in Pittsburgh uh, coming up soon. Right, but they clearly have the inside track. They're going to win that division. Uh, so sure. as, as pained and as painful as that win was, nobody's going to contend in that division at all. It becomes more of a seeding issue than anything else for Pittsburgh right now. I think we, I think we agree on that. Just where are they going to be come playoff time? Yeah, definitely agree with that. Um, fighting it out for seeding tied with the New England Patriots as they are at the top currently of uh, of the AFC. The Patriots, you know what? I'm sorry. That defense is still trash. You see what Emmanuel Sanders was doing to them? Uh, with, yeah, with, with well. Brock, Brock Osweiler throwing it around. They were leaving yeah, him it, wide open. It the bill, the, the, the bill, the Broncos – just came out to lose that game. I mean, they go, they get the Patriots, they make them punt right away, they muff the punt. Yeah. They go get a punt blocked. I, I mean, the special teams were atrocious for return. the Broncos. You can't, yeah, kickoff return for a touch with Deion Lewis, I believe it was. You can't mm-hmm. compete when your quarterback is Brock Osweiler, but you're giving the other team extra possessions, Kick returns I like Brock Osweiler better. What was I'd rather that? have him than Brock. I'd rather have him than Brock Bross, Osweiler. Brock Osweiler, because that's where I was yeah. starting the head with that one. Yes, my Listexia was, was kicking in again. Um. <laughs> so yeah, no, that that was you know, and I had the Broncos in that one, but you never really got a chance to see if the Broncos could have hung tough because oh, blink and you miss it, and the game's over because the Broncos special teams, it's never good when the special teams coach is starting to get the camera on him on the sidelines. They start putting his name up on the screen, like basically with the big red arrows, like blame him. (laughs) That is never a good sign when they keep going back to the special teams coach. Yeah. They keep putting the poor kid. Oh, that poor guy, that poor guy. He had to have to know when he was on camera too, because they were basically just, Oh, Oh, you want to see, Oh, who's fucking it up? This guy right here. Special teams again. Can you believe what's going on out here? <laughs> oh. It was like early in the year when the when the Patriots defense was just getting destroyed and they kept just purposely like putting the camera right on Matt Patricia. What is going on with the Patriots he defense? Was, Matt Patricia was, must yeah. really be frustrated. He was, on, he was on camera more than Tom Brady. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Because every time there'd be the Patriots giving up like a 70-yard bomb for a touchdown, there's Matt Patricia spitting through his beard, you know, just looking like over, looking over his card, like 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 he's trying to like set dudes on fire with his stare. 
And those producers know what they're doing because when the Patriots fuck up, when they have those spasms, when the receivers are dropping everything, and the camera's always on Tom Brady because they know he's about to throw a fit and, and start throwing things and punching things on the sideline. So they know what they're doing. Yeah. Yeah, but I don't think that they had intentions of putting the camera on the Broncos special teams coach. Yeah, that was uh, – they had to improvise on there that. There he was. There he was. Oh, boy. My uh, home state Titans managed to screw me with a backdoor situation. They were four-and-a-half-point favorites to the Bengals boy, I needed and only won by four. I needed that one. Actually, that was one of those games where I was hoping that it didn't go to overtime because that would have left open the chance for the Titans to score a touchdown in overtime. So I just needed right. that game to st- keep staying you know, with it for so when they scored the touchdown to win the game, it was like, great, no problems. They're not going to go for two because nobody cares if you're up by five. So I'm literally like watching that going, all right, come on, guys, keep this under four, keep this under four and a half, keep it under four and a half. And they did it. So I was very thankful for that one. But whew, boy, did I escape. I, have, I don't come up on the right side of those too often. That's usually your department. Corey Davis sprung open underneath uh, at one point in the fourth quarter and would have scored, except he bobbled the ball through the end zone, very Benny Cunningham-like. Uh, and, and it winds up being a touchback. So that was my spread right there. The Titans did enough to beat the Bengals. The Bengals did enough to beat themselves because they just kept racking up defensive yeah. holding penalties over and over again. But oh, and Vontez Perfect got ejected. Stunning. No, no news there. No news story. Sean Lee got hurt. Vontez Burfecht got ejected. Maybe this isn't a parallel dimension. Some things never change. Although I think that was uh, all the trouble that Burfecht gets in. I believe I heard that was his actual first ejection. He just gets a lot of flags and suspensions, but that was, his act- that was actually the first time he got just, thrown out of a game. He's just cheap and dirty. Right. That's all. He doesn't get ejected. He's just a cheap shot artist. That's all. Uh, so the Titans go from that win but not cover to go on the road to those underachieving Steelers. Tennessee is 6-3. and three, Pittsburgh is 7-2, and two, and they're both on four-game winning streaks. Pittsburgh, the home team, will give seven points. Tennessee plus seven at Pittsburgh on the Thursday night short week. Jason, who you got? Oh, it seems like a big number. But I've got to consider the fact here that the Steelers, as we talk about, play to the level of their competition. The Titans are going to be stiffer competition, and I don't think Pittsburgh feels too good about what they just did. I think Mike Tomlin's going to have them coached up after that egg that they laid down in Indy. I like Pittsburgh to cover this number, um, although it scares me a little bit because that defense of theirs scares me. But I don't think Tennessee is the team to go in there and exploit uh, the secondary. So I think Pittsburgh can win easily. I'll take the Steelers tomorrow night. Yeah, I kind of got the exact same outlook that you do, that the Steelers will be back at home. They'll be hyped up. They'll be ready for a bigger challenge in Tennessee. They won't be overlooking them the way they overlook the Colts. Uh, and that Ben Roethlisberger might not be exactly on the same page as his receivers right now at the moment, but – with the short week, they probably won't ask him to do as much. So it'll probably be the Le'Veon Bell show. Uh, and, and it should be a good fight because the Titans are, are stout against the run. This 
Um, ultimately, I'll take the Steelers to overcome the, the, the Titans and win it by more than a touchdown. That number scares me as well, but I will go with the home team on the short week. More on our after show when we come back. Now into the VIP after show program. Yeah, it was Another one of those weeks, as far as I'm concerned, we both uh, put up six and sevens. We split those six games that we differed on. We had the one push on last Thursday night, uh, putting you at 59, 78, and nine on the season for a 431 percentage. That's the thing about having a big start to the season that I had. We uh, have the even week in week 10, but my number goes down and yours goes up for the season. So. You at 431, and yeah, I'm it. at 511, so I, I just keep coming back to you. Yeah, and, you know, and it just keeps getting tighter. And, of course, as we put more games on the schedule, everything does start to usually compress. It's harder to move the number now. Easier for me. If I have some good weeks, I mean, if I could put together, you know, a 10-3 and three or a 9-5 and five or do something pretty decent here, I could move the needle potentially, but as long as I keep just doing this one game under 500, 500, this bullshit every week, it's going to be hard. You know, our opponent tonight in bowling was one of those really good opponents that have hardly any handicap. I mean, we have a ton of handicaps. We're the worst team yeah. in the league. So I look up in the third week, we lost the first two. We're not very good. But in the third game, because they they hadn't really bowled to their level, and we have actually picked up a few spares, and we're doing pretty good. I looked up at the at the end of the, I think the sixth frame. I think we were still ahead by like 160 pins, and then they start making their run through the seventh and eighth and ninth, getting all these strikes, and the number just starts shrinking and shrinking and shrinking. I'm like, oh boy, here we go. We're Gonna have to hold on to try to hold the, to win this game by the skin of our teeth, even though we're up by 160 in the sixth. So that kind of reminds me of uh, the the big number that I had uh, after the first three weeks of the year, and now the number just keeps shrinking. Oh boy! All you have to do is 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 hang in there and and keep doing the status quo and stay around 500 and wait for me to fall back to you, which is what you said the whole time was going to happen. And sure enough, it's happening. And I just keep feeling that pressure. Like, Oh, if, if I, I, I don't want to even think about if I let you come all the way back and, and be in position to knock me off in the playoffs with our point system, I would never ever live that one down. So I, I'm just trying to hold on at this point. The next psychological hurdle, see, the next part of my evil sinister plan here is to get you into the 400. You get yourself down into the 400s, then all bets are off because now all of a sudden everything is rendered meaningless by what you've done at that point if you've given it all back and then gone negative. And you're you're almost there. 5'11". I'm close. I'm you're real close. close. You know, considering how many games above 500 that you were. After three, four weeks. So, yeah, don't worry. I have a brilliantly cunning plan. I've caught you, for, I, I've caught you from behind many seasons. That's the one thing that we, we, we – not a lot of it's come on air, unfortunately. But you and I both know in our history there have been – you know, you did it to me uh, in one of the seasons on the show. It wasn't this big of a lead. 
like you had, but you did it to me where I had a big first week and then you kind of wore me out, wore me out, wore me out and chipped away and ended up, uh, ended up winning it in the end. But I know we had way, way back early in our history, several times where you just run out to these huge leads. And then by the end of it, it was like, Oh, I lost. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So we, we don't, it's happened. It's happened. You do this for 20 some years. It's going to happen both ways. I mean, keep in mind, sure. We've always, as I always point out on the show, because I was on the positive side of it, only once have we never had to have playoff picks in our history. <laughs> That's true. That was uh, that was, that was an all-time stomping. That's what I thought I was putting on you after oh, the first I, three weeks. Oh, oh, yeah. I thought you were on your way. I seriously yeah. thought you were on your way to that. So, But we're obviously we're not there yet because, you know, with 80, 80 points – 80 percentage points like that, that's 16 points going into our playoffs. That's still a butt, butt kicking. So I, I, I definitely yeah, have not done it yet. that psychological slathering again here, dude. You're buttering me up. I can tell what you're doing. Yeah. You're, you're, yeah. yeah I'm but not going to fall for the okie doke. Uh-huh. No pressure. Hell of a... <laughs> I remember that one season that you had. I don't know if – God, I don't know if that was when we were on the podcast or not. I think it might have been where you were just like really, really feeling it because you were just killing it in your picks. Every week you were just killing it, but it was like we were four or five weeks into the season, you were like two games up on me. Yeah. <laughs> you know, we were so for all these amazing weeks, yeah, all these amazing weeks that you were having, and all of a sudden you look up and you're like, oh, there's, there's Jason right behind me. Mm-hmm. So I kept buttering you up with, the, oh, yeah, you're having a hell of a season. <laughs> yeah, Troy Aikman. Troy Aikman said, or what was it? Uh, Drew Bledsoe had a hell of a game in that Super Bowl against the Packers. Oh, against the Packers. I'll never forget John Madden saying that. Drew Bledsoe had a Drew hell of a game. Had a hell of a game as, as Reggie White is sitting on his head repeatedly. And, <laughs> uh, yeah, he did not have a hell of a game. That was uh, we we looked at each other because that was the one Super Bowl I came over to your house when you were live in the old uh, apartment there. Oh boy, yeah, that was when I was living on uh Oh god, that was when I was living out not where I grew up, but that's when we moved out to that that first apartment after from where I grew up when we were farther out. Not not quite in the mm-hmm. suburbs yet, but we were still in Chicago in the city. Yeah, right. and you uh you'd take that long bus ride. I think it was very right? long. Very long. Oh, bus ride. from the lake. So right. That would have been 96. So, yeah, so we were out of high school at that point. So, yeah, that was when you were living a couple of years ago. Yeah, it was when you were living out down by the lake. And I was, like, at the end of the bus line. <laughs> mm-hmm. That hour and a half bus ride out to where I lived. I remember Lord, the ride. It was... I was like, I remember walking down to Addison Avenue because I was down there at the end of the Addison bus route. Um going down to Wrigley Field. I mean, I would go, I would walk to the bus stop for 120 start at Wrigley. I'd be at the bus stop at like 1030 to take the bus down to the game because it would take, you know, an hour, easy hour, 15, maybe an hour and a half to get down there. So then it's noon and I always like to be in the ballpark because I always had this thing about being in the ballpark early watching the batting practice, especially if it was a nice day. 
just getting the whole atmosphere of the ballpark. You know, there's nothing like just sitting there and getting that countdown to everything. And you kind of get to catch the mood and watch the warmups. And yeah, it, there's something about that. It was very relaxing. Well, baseball is very relaxing. I, I guess that's why it's falling out of favor with a lot of these younger people kids that they, they don't want any relaxing sports they want immediate they want now 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 let's, let's start yeah. the clock now it's, what do you mean there's no clock what do you come on I, this, this is taking too long I, I gotta get on my phone I gotta check my phone I gotta check Twitter and Instagram and Facebook and everything else I gotta I gotta do something this is just this is taking too long this is so slow what's going on but yet baseball delivers when it's right I still think it's the most tension-filled sport out of the, the three major sports. I can't argue with that. It's uh, when it's, yeah, like you said, when it's the certain situation, certain conditions and, you know, everything's on the line with this right matchup with the, did the manager make oh. the right pitching move and the, to face this particular hitter with the game in the balance with the, the runners on base are such that if he gets the base hit, it's going to tie the game or win it. Uh, yeah. It's uh very, very tense, very nerve-wracking. Uh, I can't imagine what the managers are going through nowadays with so many charts and, and things to help you decide which is the right move and what's the percentage that this guy has against this other pitcher and what's what does he usually do against right-handers. And there's all these metrics to measure things now that you, you know, I've heard the joke being made on talk shows about you know the, the stat nerds and when is one of them going to be made into a field manager one day? It's someone that's never played at all and never been on the field, but he's got all the numbers. He's a you know MIT grad, and he's got all the metrics, and he can tell you what percentage uh, of the outcome of, of a particular situation. He can tell that from his head. He's already got everything memorized. He doesn't have to even check the charts or anything like that. When is that day coming? When Are we going to go back to the days where the manager isn't – wearing a baseball uniform. He's going to be in a suit and tie standing there in a dugout because he's got all the, the graphs and charts and everything figured out. Uh, seems like that day might be coming sooner than people think. Well, you're already seeing more of those guys moving into the um, executive levels. I mean, oh, you yeah. know, and that's always kind of been that way, but these guys are the scouts, the, you know, all the analytics, you know, look at what you're doing. I mean, with, with, for your for your for your shell organization, or you know, <laughs> for my shadow bosses, <laughs> the mob. It's the mob. I still think it's the mob. I thought, you know, but uh, <laughs> to joke, people. I, just, I don't really, I don't really. I just got their. I just got their bonus uh, today for uh, for for my yeah. season's work. So the the checks are still oh. clearing. That's all I know. Okay, I don't yeah, know. No, what, I mean, it was about, <laughs> what was your bonus? Olive oil. <laughs> Fell off the truck. Little, telling you, little Godfather reference there for you. I don't. Have you seen that movie? Yeah, the, the, the okay. bitch with the student loan okay. made me watch it once. Oh, okay. it's it was, a good it movie. Good. Don't don't think it's, about it's it from those terms. Okay, yeah. I don't want you waking up with a horse's head or anything like that in your bed <laughs> or you know anything. But no, it's all it's all analytics. It it it's sabermetrics. Even to the point now, it's funny because I was watching. A uh, little bit of MLB Network today in my quiet time when I was at work. It was on, so I would pass, in passing, I'd walk by and hear him talking. And it's funny listening to the stat geeks get into these arguments with the players, the former players, because the the former players, it's all 
you know, the, 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 the tactile response. It's the look, the feel, you know, I know when this guy's got it. I didn't well with the stat geeks. It's, it's none of that. It's, well, this guy's got a average bat speed of this and his exit velocity is this, you know, and it was just really interesting listening to, to, to the people who are all stat oriented, go up against the guys who are playing. We're like, no, it's also, it's not just stats, it's situations. It's knowing, you know, it's knowing everything where people are and what's got to happen. And, you know, it's, it, it's got to be a mix of both because it can't just be stats. Also can't just be feel. And I just know when a no. guy's got, he's got moxie that that bullshit. So you're right. It's got to be, uh, both sides have to listen to each other. Very reminiscent of, uh, social situations that's going on in the, in the country right now. And it always has been where you got to stop and listen to the other side. You can't just throw your side out there and say, well, that's it. And I know what the answer is and nothing else matters. Oh yeah, that that's in, that's in all things. I mean, I I think, but yeah, it's it's interesting because we talk about like the strategizing and the tension with baseball, and you think about baseball, football. I'll even say hockey. Yeah, I hate to talk about it, but hockey and basketball. And you know, the only thing different, other than obviously they're all different sports, but the main different thing, and what you really think about strategically with uh, baseball is. Once your guy comes out of the game, he's done, right? Mm-hmm. You can take guys in and out of basketball and football and hockey. You can do all that stuff. But in baseball, you get what you get out of your guy. And when he's done or you, you pinch hit or you put in another pitcher, you don't – that's it. <laughs> you guys can't come back. And it, so there's a lot more that, that that goes into that and a lot of that second-guessing um, – yeah, playoff, the playoff baseball. I mean, you want to talk about getting your heart going. Oh, my God. I mean, both my teams that I root for, I have all my rooting interests for, were in their championship games last year with the Cubs and the Falcons. And I had way more, now obviously, than I should have had, but I, I mean, the tension and everything that I had with the Cubs going through it. I was watching the Falcons this year, but I was like, yeah, okay, they lost. <laughs> <laughs> What about that Super Bowl though? Wasn't that tension filled? Not really, because it it just it, it never felt over. You know, they got the big lead, and I'm like, ah, it just feels like Patriots are gonna come. You know, you just you just <laughs> saw it all out there. You know. Well, uh, yeah, the, the baseball is is that's why I love it. It's so different than all other sports. It's not timed. It's a matter of you get your turn, and now I get my turn, and you can do whatever you want in your turn before you get three outs. You can score infinity number of runs. Yeah. You do whatever you have to do to score those runs, to move those runners, and before you make those three outs. That's all that matters is just don't make those three outs, and you can do whatever you need to do. And the other team – but the other team has the ball. You can't do anything until the other team actually releases the baseball. Uh, so they're sort of in control all the time, even though you're the one with the bat – they're the ones that really control everything. And, and so that pull, pull and push and yin and yang, uh, that's what makes baseball unique. And, and that's why I absolutely love baseball. And we talk about it very often, how we're a football podcast, but in the, of, course, of course in the summer we're a baseball podcast and the sports are so completely different from each other. But we 
love them both equally. And I don't know about you, but I, it, I've always had a hard time basically choosing which one I love more. When people ask me, which sport do you love? You know, what's your favorite sport or whatever? I, I always say baseball and football or football and baseball. I, I pretty much love them both equally. I, I'd have to say I've gone through periods of my life where I've liked one more than the other, but I think for the overall, you know, if I look at my whole life watching sports, it's baseball. I know it's hard to say on a football podcast, but, you know, we're, we have a theme with our podcast because we can't pick baseball games every day with betting lines. We, we'd be, you know, you know I've got the – <laughs> got the Orioles plus one thirty tonight. What have you got? Uh, you know, so you're not going to really. We don't can, talk about. We don't talk about baseball I can trust from a Chris best. Tillman tonight uh, plus one forty five. I don't know. <laughs> we don't talk about baseball from a betting perspective. Nobody really does. I don't know if there are any baseball betting podcasts out there. So if we ever get a full time gig, but think about that. You would never get a day off. Got to be somewhere. You can't. Got you have no days off. You have no days off if you did a baseball betting, betting podcast. You have zero days off all year long because they play, other than the all-star break, they play every day. Somebody's playing every single day. Um, there's a lot of fantasy stuff. You know, We're both involved in that, um, and we do get a little bit of that that mixes into our show around the pertinent times of year when we're talking about our team and, you know, but but with football, it's always had that sort of you know we've had that competitive you know picking the games, doing it for fun. I mean, we're not really nothing's at stake, you know. Talking about the sport, you know, so we have that. So it's easier for us to talk about when we talk about baseball. It's more, you know, on the field, what's happening, you know, our teams, how they're doing. So yeah, the football lends itself more especially, you know, that they don't really overlap that much in the season other than the, right, you know, for the beginning with the World Series. So, yeah, I'd have to say overall a little little bit more passionate, a little bit, a lot more memory attachment, you know, with my Cubs and all that growing up. There's family attachments. And it's just this generational thing with all the losing. And you grew up with that with the White Sox until they finally broke through. So yeah, I'd have to say it's baseball. I don't want, don't want that to cause us any any hate from our from our listenership. Like ah, fuck these guys. I don't even like football. No, I I, I love football. <laughs> um, but you know what I'm saying. I'm, I know. I, I hear you. I'm still being diplomatic and saying that I yeah. love both people. <laughs> but it's so funny it's for different. me to even. They're very different. They're totally different. And it's even funnier for me to say it, considering, again, uh, this would get people uh, to not listen. Repeating that I revealed uh, earlier this season that I still have yet to actually attend an NFL game. I've never been to a football game. That's crazy. That is absolutely crazy. Hundreds of baseball games. So you haven't had opportunity to go like to a Titans game or drive over to Nashville? I mean, you're off on Sundays now. Get yourself a ticket and go up to Nashville. I've been off on Sundays for the last three weeks of the, the, the six years that I've been living down here. So it's not like, um, get off you your know. ass. <laughs> I'm slagging. You're right. Yeah. Three weeks. Get to Nashville. I very well may do a day trip to Nashville somewhere down the road. 
not anytime soon. Just it's not on my radar. Uh, but I, I may do that. You got to. Uh, I got to imagine. I mean, I got to imagine if you stub hub that thing or whatever it is, NFL ticket, they, the Titans tickets can't be that expensive. No, no, because they. Uh, I, I wanted to when the, when Chicago came to Tennessee a couple years ago. I, I thought yeah. about it, but just didn't uh, make the, the the make the move. But I did look it up. I do remember, and it wasn't very expensive. Uh, no, that's it's not going to be too expensive to go to a Titans game because it's the Titans. Uh, so it's not it's not about expense. It's about um, Nashville isn't exactly next door. It's not the next suburb over. It's a three hour trip. Yeah. Uh, Got to have the wife on board with it. Um, not yet at the the stage where I can take off for uh, a day trip by myself without her. Uh, and, and she would have to be freed up from her, uh, any tasks that she might have to do at her church and any other chores or tasks that she might have to do that particular Sunday. Uh, so I, I do see it coming together one of these days, just, you know, like, again, I just finally got Sundays off from my job. So, uh, but somewhere down the road, I'm sure we'll do it. It's, it'll it'll Probably be worth next, it. Maybe, maybe the next time Chicago comes to to Nashville, whatever that might yeah. be. Or just go see them play anybody. Go Actually, go see them play the worst possible team on their schedule because then you'll get the cheapest tickets. <laughs> yeah, but then I might be bored out of my mind. I don't want to see them playing the, the Colts. I don't want to see that. <laughs> just as long – just as long as you don't fork out what I forked over for, for that NFC championship game. Woo, boy. Well, that was a big ticket. That was not only a Man. conference title game, but the last game at the Georgia Dome. So, understand. It was. It was. It was. And it was a very spur-of-the-moment thing. And, yeah, the way that all came together. But those tickets was seven $700 I spent on those tickets. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Look, I heard some people uh, for those Dodgers World Series tickets spending tw- uh, twenty thousand. I think I heard maybe. God, I mean, but, yeah. I felt wrong doing three fifty a ticket, um, <laughs> but my wife was on board. It was you know it came together very quickly once we realized it was going to be Falcons and Packers down in Atlanta for the for the NFC Championship game, and my I'm in the living room and my wife and I are talking and we're just sitting there and I was like. Let's go. She's like, are you serious? Yeah, let's go. Let's get tickets. Let's go. Call my work. See if I can get the time off. Take you know, take use a couple of vacation days. And it's January, so it's not a hard time to to get time off at my job. It's a pretty quiet month. And my boss was like, yeah, sure, no, no problem. It's once in a lifetime time opportunity. And I was like, and so it all came together very quickly. But it was it was cool. It was a very cool, quick. It was very quick. But it was it was a very fun trip. Then we we stopped by and saw you. Um, mm-hmm. Whirlwind. <laughs> no, well, yeah. Got to stop and get some corkies. We're a little. We were a little sad uh, to find out that our that we will not be going to Atlanta uh, this year. Um, mm. We were going to go over spring break, and then it turned out that now um, my dad, who lived down there, is, is moving farther away. And we're just like, no, we're not. We're not loading the kids up for you know twenty two, twenty four hour drive. I might no. Atlanta would have been pushing it, but at least you know you had you were going somewhere to see family. You were you know you could stay somewhere, you know, and, and actually settle down for a few days and 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 be with family. 
not just driving halfway across the country for for nothing. So a little sad by that. So that means I won't see you until we get to Chicago for for our uh, baseball stuff in April. Yeah, that's that's too bad. But we'll do it up in Chicago like we always do. Yeah, but this means I don't get my corkies or my huckleberries and. Well, yeah, I don't get my detached retina from the throat rolls. <laughs> yeah, that lawsuit all ready to go. Didn't you? Man, I I was I had just called Yuppie and Abraham, and uh, I was gonna get them all, all draw it up because <laughs> William Shatner told me to. Uh, so what else do we uh, Captain not Kirk, cover? Captain in... Kirk tells you to do something, you do it. <laughs> He says, you call you Abraham a, right now. That must be a local law firm. I've never heard of that one. Oh, my God. It's all over, all over the airwaves here in Wisconsin. They've got William Shatner doing the commercials, so someone's hard up for money. <laughs> Maybe he's doing someone a favor. Yeah. <laughs> or someone's got pictures. Hey, better do With the all commercials the stuff going on right now. Oh my God! With all this, all all this sexual this and allegation that, and oh man, that's right. You do these commercials for us, or we're gonna find a an eight year old girl that's just gonna say that you touched her in 1973. Oh, now I, I don't want to. I don't want to come down on the. You know, it sound insensitive to any of this, but I. I do however, still believe, however, I do still believe in the nation of laws that you are guilty or innocent until proven guilty. We've gone the other way, but I do believe that you are innocent until proven guilty. And we are seeing the blowback from all of this, where it's like, all you do is name somebody now, and it's like, oh, you're fired. It's like, whoa. You got people you know, whose life want anything to do with this. People's livelihoods are being put at stake. All this Hollywood stuff, people have even mentioned as possibly doing it. Like, oh, we're, up, we're, up, we're off the show. We're gonna, we're, <laughs> everybody needs to calm down a little bit. You're innocent until proven guilty. You know, if you've got, you could just, you could really, really take this and blow this out of proportion and, and make this into something where it's like you're just going to have people who just don't like people be like, oh, yeah. It happened. No proof. Just allegations. Got to watch out with that. That that's, that's a slippery slope right there. Yeah, I see what you're saying. I guess I'd feel like things like that, like very specific, detailed allegations of incidents where the the accused then doesn't really come out and, and denies they they have denied they they say well that didn't really happen the way she said you know which is not really denying that it happened it's just trying to deny some of the details of the allegation uh, I, I think that sort of backs up that a lot of these allegations are based on that that something did actually happen and in general throughout history people aren't making that up so I think uh, the reaction to distance yourself from the people when they when they get accused like that, I, I completely understand that reaction because ninety eight percent of the time it's 
it's not made up. It's true. So uh, I, I get it. I, I'm, it. It kind of breaks my heart that it seems to be this avalanche of, of things that are coming from all different places towards all different people. There's men, there's women, there's uh, men on men. There, there's just all sorts of things that have happened. And there's just this avalanche of, of things being leveled at this point in history because the more people that have the uh the 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 ability to come forward the strength to come forward that gives strength to other victims who would never have come forward because they were so afraid of this of the of the blowback and some of the reaction and some of the uh attempts to discredit them that that's been going on with a lot of these people that are making these accusations so um it is it, it's good it's a good thing that a lot of these uh things are being brought to light but at the same time it still kind of turns your stomach to know that so many of these people and this is coming from me as a former uh abuser or a, you know, a former molester or whatever you want to call it and i'm you know way more honest about things than i probably need to be but uh, I, i've said it on this show many times before and and uh it's not that i'm proud of it but it's just that I try to be completely honest about everything because I'd spent so many years being dishonest about everything, as you know, being my best friend for so many years. Um, but now I try to be completely honest about everything. So I know how difficult it is for people who have been uh, victimized to come forward because for every one of uh, the people that I molested that came forward and got me suspended from school, there's, five, six, seven other girls that never said a word and would never think to because they were ashamed. So I'd, I guess I'm bringing a different viewpoint to, to when I see these accusations out there, I totally get why they were taking so long to come forward because a lot of them are just so afraid of, of uh, they don't want the attention that comes with coming forward and saying that those type of things happen. To them. So I, I guess I get that. Yeah, I, I think what really just stuns me is this, that people are shocked, especially from the Hollywood angle. Like, they're surprised. Like, where you have this whole casting couch mentality, right? Where it's not a joke because it never happens. It was just sort of like the wink, wink, nudge, nudge kind of thing. And now it's all coming out, and everyone's like, oh, the shock. You mean that was all true? Oh, really? Really? I can't believe women were sleeping their way to the top, and I can't believe men were <laughs> taking advantage of them. I, I, I can't believe it. Correct. I mean, yeah. you know, yeah, or a, or a lot of the, you know, a lot of the, a lot of the women who are like, well, you know what, I, I did what I had to do, but I knew as soon as I made my millions that I was going to expose this hypocrisy. <laughs> there have been no, there have been interviews where people said that. Not in those exact words, but where that was like the underlying theme. Like, oh, I felt so wrong, and I but but I was trying to get ahead in the business, so I did things that I don't feel proud about. But now that I'm ultra successful and mega rich, shame on you. Right. So yeah, yeah it'd be nice had, if all the if all the victims were perfect and and perfect human beings. That's not the case. Right. So somebody's like, hey, you know, come over here and do this thing that you don't want to do, and I'll make sure you get the big role in the big movie, and, you know, 
You know, you know what they call people who who sell their bodies for profit? Whores, prostitutes. It's all you're doing is you're prostituting yourself. You can't. Obviously, you don't feel good about it, right? And the person who did it on the other side is bad too. But you did have that chance. Now, unless you're being, you know, unless it's being forced, somebody does have a chance to say no. At that point, like, well, I'm going, well you're never, you're never going to get ahead in this business. You're never going to have a life. Well, well, now that you put it that way, <laughs> I guess I better do it. There's a whole nasty, ugly thing. This whole, it, it, what it shows is that that culture is bad, right? That's what needs to change is the culture. And I think you're hearing a lot of the, I think you're hearing a lot of the outcry from the people so far as we know who are in that business, who are on the up and up and on the level, who are, who are like viscerally disgusted by it, but they all say the same thing. They all knew about it. They all knew it happened. So then you also have this culture and, and complicitness from the people who were it happened. And now it's just all out in the open and the light is shining on it. And yeah, it's really, really ugly, but people need to stop acting like they're shocked by it. Yeah, I haven't heard. Uh, we may be shocked people. by individual names. The names might be surprising. Like, well, really? That? Oh, wow. You know, I had no clue. But overall, thinking that they're, they're expecting that, that, that Hollywood politics or any of these don't have like lecherous, power hungry people in them is just, you're just naive at that point. Yeah, I haven't heard a, a whole lot of people being shocked at the yeah. at the culture, but yeah, like you said, the names. You know, when you talk about right. Kevin Spacey and Harvey Weinstein and uh, and, some all, of the names and there's more there. and more every day. There's like more. And Bill Cosby I mean, was extremely shocking a couple of years ago. Yeah, yeah, that one was that one was a bit surprising. You know, he's 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 coming out. <laughs> he, he's he's OG, right? He he's the original. The original abuser. <laughs> but yeah, this whole the whole the whole idea though. He was a specialist. Like, he, yeah, he had the drugs is... slipping into drinks. That, oh, was, that was a special kind of uh, of abuse. Right. Where that was, and, and that was also documented because he admitted to it. I believe in 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 like uh, affidavits and things. Where so there was mm-hmm. a lot more of a paper trail and. You know, it seems like they, I mean, this Weinstein guy, they've got him pretty much dead to rights. Uh, we, we talked about people we making fun of Kevin Spacey on the show with the sort of non-apology apology that he had and then tried to frame it up and is like it, it, just in horrible ways. But now you're just getting every day there's like two or three or more. It seems like people are just getting these allegations put out against them. And it's just not, it's not like you like you said. Yeah, it, 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 it it's across all it's all across all realms realms it's guys on guys and you know eventually we're probably going to have you know have to hear about like women doing it to women all this stuff that it 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 it's the culture and and that's what i think people are starting to become really it just makes you feel icky everybody knew it was there but now that they're talking about it, it's like, ooh, we don't want to talk about that because it makes us uncomfortable. Like we, every time we talk about like race issues or anything like that, everybody knows they're there, you know. But let's just not talk about it. Let's just pretend like they don't exist. <laughs> it's easier that way. Of course, we we all want to make things easier. We all want to not contemplate things that might 
make us think differently about the world than we want to think. It, it's not. Right. It's not. It's not easy, but. I don't think you're living a life worth living if you're only contemplating things that are easy. Right. But with, but like you said, though, with, you know, even if, even if 90, 95, 98, all of these things at, at any point saying someone did something or feeling a certain way about a situation doesn't always make it true. And that's where it becomes you, you, I don't want it to go from being a light being shined onto something into something almost like witch hunt territory. They're getting close. Uh, but are but are they? I don't know if they are. I don't know if uh, if any of these are are untrue. I, I like I said, I kind of assume they're all true because it's such a pervasive thing in our society that that doesn't get reported. And because of this very reason, because of people hearing it get reported and going, well, did they really, did they really have a chance to get out of that situation? And, you know, then we, I don't, you you don't want to slip into the winch hunt uh, territory. And I don't want to slip into the victim blaming territory where we look at whatever happened and try to examine the different ways that maybe they could have escaped and instead of just going, well, they were victims and they were scared. And, and so that's what wound up happening. And, you know, could they have changed it if they had a second chance? Maybe probably, but at the time they were scared to death and then made the decisions that they, uh, that they had to make. A lot of those people that make those decisions to further their careers, uh, I, I would have. I'd hate to be in their shoes. I don't necessarily want to uh, cast aspersions on the decisions that they made because they made. Yeah, they may have had a choice to turn and, and say no. But when you're when you've sacrificed whatever you've sacrificed to get to that spot in Hollywood or anywhere else uh, where you're working your way up in a in a career and you get to this ceiling and in order to get past that level, you either have to do something you find very distasteful or you have to look at every step that you've made and everything that you've done and just flush it down the toilet and go, nope, I'm, I'm going to just give it up because now I'd have to do this thing. That's a, that's a very, very tough decision to have to make. And, and thankfully, I've never had to make that decision. But uh, I, I hate to be any of those people that had to go through that. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's tough, man. It's uh, I, There's probably so many more that haven't come out yet that, that there's still more accusations to be leveled and still, you know, more things that, that haven't been talked about. You think about all the type of people that have had power and, and abused it, uh, you know, like Bill Clinton with Monica Lewinsky, uh, and that seems old and quaint now. Remember when how scandalous that was when it came out? Now that's like, oh, that's what, what you got a blowjob from some intern? So what? You know, big deal. Yeah. No, that's you're exactly right. That's why I mean politics and power, and anytime you've got people, especially when there's this much, you know, you got money floating around, you got influence being peddled, you've got you, people are dealing in things that aren't tangible things, and it's 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 not a black and white issue. It's a gray. It's all gray. I'll uh, I'll use her name because she. Uh, I don't have any inside extra information. Uh, I'm just going off of what I've seen on television. I have a uh, 
my my wife's family, one of her cousins is named Alicia Henson, and she is in Hollywood now. She's I think she's 26 or 27, and she made a lot of sacrifices to leave her corporate world. Uh, and and she went through college and got a degree and got a, a real job and decided that that just wasn't for her. And she went out to Hollywood several years ago. And I just saw her appear on the Steve Harvey talk show. And what she was appearing as was just a sort of a random girl named Alicia who was appearing on sort of a dating game type of, of situation where she had several bachelors to shoot to choose from uh, and was reading off, you know, sort of salacious questions and which one of you is, you know, can make me laugh or which one of you can, uh, if you have, if you have moves on the dance floor, then that means you have some moves in the bedroom. So let's see which one of you are, are the better dancers or whatever. And then the guy that she wound up choosing and went on a date with was, she kind of described him as, uh, she probably didn't mean to describe him as a scrub, but he kind of came off as a scrub. I think he didn't have his wallet <laughs> and uh, couldn't pay for the date or something like that and would refuse to eat the vegetable. He was, he was, you know, just nothing but meat eater, just literally a meat eater. Uh, couldn't stand the thought of vegetable, whatever. So he comes out and sits down next to her and they discuss well, you know, the date and what have you. And he's like putting his arm around her and she's kind of reacting like, ooh, you know, and, and not doing what a lot of women in that situation maybe would have done, which is to sort of, you know, to pull away and go, uh, dude, you know, no, that's not, not cool. You know, this, this is my space here. But you're in a situation. And like I said, I'm, I don't have any extra knowledge about what happened after that what happened in the background of that. I haven't talked to her. I might see her uh, next week at Thanksgiving dinner. She might be there. She might not. But that's the type of situation that she didn't want to ruin her opportunity at, at some sort of uh, recognition and some way to further her career. She didn't want to lose. She didn't want to ruin that show, that particular episode that she was on because they might cut the whole thing. She had a bad reaction to it. She was in an uncomfortable situation from what I was seeing on TV and she may have just completely rolled with the flow and not thought that it was a big deal at all. Or she might have thought that she was, you know, in a, in a type of situation where she might be coming out 20 years later and talking about accusations. She might have some accusations to level at this kid or at Steve Harvey or at somebody else on that show. I don't know. I'm, I'm not around. I don't know anything about it, but that's just a small example of, you get put in situations where if you just be cool and play along, you may further your career. You may not have to sacrifice all those things that you gave up to put yourself in that particular situation. Or you can raise a stink and say, this isn't cool. You're invading my personal space. And that might flush whatever chance you had at a career completely down the toilet because they might cut that segment totally. And there is no Alicia from the from the audience who's right. going on the dating game show that might just completely never exist on television because they might just never air it. So it, it's, it's tough. It's a very, very tough thing to have to go through. And women have to make those decisions dozens and dozens and dozens of times every day all around not just the society, but all around the world because of, of the powerful position that, that people get. And, and unfortunately, so many of them take advantage of that power. Yeah. And, and usually, unfortunately, that, that craving of 
that power, and then the abuse of that power lends itself to certain types of people. And those certain types of people should not be the people who have power over other people, but that's just it's the way the world works, unfortunately. But yeah, there's 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 the good parts of this with it all coming out. Just got to watch out. That's all I'm saying. It just if we're just at the beginning of this, this is going to be one of those things where it's going to reach that tipping point, like all things often do. When you're dealing with this type of situation, where there's going to be the one that isn't valid, <laughs> right? Where there, there's going to there's going to eventually be that one, and then that sort of like, like pops the air out of the balloon. You know, we, we we joked about it on the show back when we ha- back when we had the uh, the Charlottesville stuff, and we had that that ESPN thing with the Robert Lee thing, and it, it turned something serious into something where you were laughing at it. You do, we, I don't want to have that moment here. <laughs> where all of a sudden something happens and it's just like completely proven false or it's so over the top or it's so stupid that it takes all of the positive that's coming out of these things being brought to light and then negates it or makes it into like, oh, come on, too much, too much, you know, you got too far this time. Hold, wait a minute, wait a minute, you know, <laughs> it wasn't supposed to go this far. So I just don't want to see it reach that level where it becomes... Well almost like a parody unto itself um, because right now it's just like, well, geez, it's just, it's just, obviously it's everybody. So, it was, you know, it, it, it's going to, you know, these people, I don't think they even realize the negative impacts that this is going to have, that they're going to have to live through. Um, I know I've been watching things. Like if I see something on TV or if I'm watching a movie, I, I find myself looking at it like a little sideways, like watching it like, uh-huh, you know, <laughs> I know how your business operates. So I think this is going to turn a lot of people off to that in general. I've hope, I think we've always kind of looked at it a little bit like that. When we see people that are in TV shows or in movies that are terrible at acting and we go, how did they get that role? How did Tara Reed get any of those roles? Cause she can't act for shit. <laughs> I'm going to, I've got a pretty good guess as to how she got where she got. So I think we've always kind of thought that. <laughs> yeah, there, we could go through our whole list of actors and actresses, people who are like, wait a minute, how did you get casted? How did you beat somebody out for this role? Because you can't act for shit. Um, what was uh, Shannon Tweed's roles in every cinematic oh, movie? A psychiatrist getting stalked by a, uh, by former, a former patient. A, a blank stalked by a former blank, <laughs> I believe was... The, the Shannon Tweed movie uh, generator plot kit that we had. <laughs> the blank yeah, and... stalked by a former blank. And then we also had the name generator kit where you just pulled out random words and then a number. And that's how you would do the, the Shannon Tweed movie generator kit. So, you know, Cruel deadly... situation six. Yeah. Deadly rendezvous 19. Okay, boom, <laughs> there's your movie. But wait a minute, there haven't been 18 other ones. It doesn't matter. Angry Liaisons 5. Huh? Okay. There's your title. Boom, go. So there's Uh, there's always been that. Yeah, well, that was USA Up All Night. None of those movies were cast for acting ability. (laughs) 
let's be real here. But yeah, if Alicia comes home at Thanksgiving and tells us that she thinks uh, Steve Harvey may have abused her, and we go, "What happened?" And she said, "Well, he brushed my arm while getting coffee, and I think that was on purpose." If something like that starts happening, then yeah, it's, it's time to start worrying that it's going a little too far. But uh, yeah, because you're starting to even you're even starting to see as I mean, I'm on my lunch break and I'm reading through these articles, I'm doing this stuff, and you're starting to get to the point now where it's like, oh well. 20 years ago, somebody made a pass at me. That was like the only thing that ever happened. Somebody made a suggestive comment towards me. I'm like, okay, all right, let's let's, let's, let's just rein this back in. You tell them you've been living with the pain of a suggestive comment for 20 years. That's fine. But we, we can't, you know, equivocate between rape and sexual abuse and things like that versus somebody hitting on you. Well, it, there's hitting on you and there's, and there's also the, the and as men, I, I assume that we've both been guilty of this four billion times. The suggestive joke that gets taken the wrong way or is not seen as a joke. It's like, that's inappropriate. It's like, okay, well, I, I'm sorry I offended you. You know, there's, there's always a lot. <laughs> so of I, I'm actually very careful about that, especially in the workplace. Right. And I hear a lot, you know, and that's, and I got to say, I've heard a lot of that in my time. Like, really? You can, no, 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 no. <laughs> and it's always in the workplace because you would always run into situations where it's okay when some people die. I had this. I yeah. had a coworker when you know, and I was at the job, and then it was she was like super flirty, and it was no problem if a certain group of people acted that way, and right. then you'd get like somebody who's not used to being in that group would then act that way because they saw everybody else acting that way, and then the call to HR would go out and get that person fired. And this happened mm-hmm. like three or four times, and it's like, well, wait a minute. You know, you, you don't 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 be unprofessional and acting that way on the job around certain people, and then you know somebody comes in when well, you're not comfortable with acting that way. No, just don't do it. You don't just don't act certain ways on the job. You got to be professional. It always kind of bothered me. So I've always tried. And this was like really early in my my work experience. So it always bothered me that people would act like that in a professional environment to begin with. So I've always tried sure. to be you know, professional on the job. So if I've ever said anything that was suggestive in that way, it would have been by accident. <laughs> it would have been not intended, you know, to hey, uh, necessarily. Up there, you've been living you know, for 20 years with your accident, pal. So you, you got to be careful with your words. I, I know, but that's, that's what I mean. Is like, well, is that the point that we've reached? I don't know. We've reached that point yet. I, I hope we haven't reached that point. But some of these things, some of these allegations that I'm starting to read are are starting to get there. Like like all the big ones are starting to get out of the way. So all the ones are starting to bubble. Oh wait, I haven't gotten, I haven't gotten, you know, I I haven't gotten my 15 minutes in this one now. And, you know, so come on, let's not let's not ice bucket challenge this thing, okay? <laughs> you know, well, <laughs> you got that. No, what I'm saying. Well, that's, yeah, everyone's that's doing it, so I got to do it yeah, too. Yeah, exactly. Oh, you know, I was on the, I was on a movie set, and someone asked me out on a date, and and oh, come on, 
Come on. I will tell you one thing that I've uh, actually sort of argued with my wife over um, in that same vein is how are guys supposed to know when enough is enough or when it's when, when you go from harassment, when you go from over aggressive, but it's still okay to now you're harassing because there's so many shows that you watch and it, if you watch any not even a reality show, but really any show where guys are discussing like all of these house hunter shows that my wife watches any show where there's a couple on there discussing how they got together and how uh, many of these stories are, I didn't like him at first, but he just kept coming at me and would not leave me alone. And he was relentless. And finally I just gave him my phone number just to get him off of my case. And now we've been married for 18 years and have four children. But huh? Wait, what? No, exactly. You never know when it's okay and when it's not. And that goes to, I've always believed that women pretty much know within the first five minutes that they meet you, if they're ever going to fuck you or not. And if they would just be honest about it, instead of sort of leading people on, but they want to keep their options open. So I guess I kind of understand that, but it is so frustrating when I hear these stories about couples that where the woman that just talks about how arrogant she found him or how distasteful she found him. And she didn't want anything to do with him. And her friends tried to hook them up and she was like, ill why are you putting me with this guy he's terrible and next thing you know they've been married 20 years so how do you know how do you know what where the line is you have no idea i don't disagree with you there it's just, it's I mean, you, you know we've, we've, everyone's got that experience i mean ever i mean everyone's had the experience where you've got you know the one 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 of the one of the couple just treats the other one like garbage it's not always the woman or it's always the guy, but you're just like, what? I, you know, how how are you even together? Yeah. How is this even happening? You know, how did you even date? <laughs> what what is going on? How do people just end what up together? See I mean, I see. I, I mean, I, where I live, I see a lot of people who are together just from the simple standpoint of the shallow dating pool. I think there's just some right. people who'd rather just not be alone. So they'll mm-hmm. be in the worst scenario possible, and then they just keep ending up in the worst scenarios possible. Uh, so that's off that's off the track a little bit because that's a little different than what we're talking about. But um, I, I guess it's somewhat relevant because it all it all lends itself to that that behavior. That might have been why they did it. Yeah. They, they, that might have yeah. been the there was no other options. There was no one else beating down their door, so they said, "All right, fine, I'll let this asshole in." And next thing that, you know, they're married with kids. I mean, you got all these people and all these Hollywood so-called quote-unquote role models, and they're all married to each other. They all pass each other. You know, it's all passed around. You got they're all married seven times, eight times, nine. You know, <laughs> I mean, come on, <laughs> these are your role models. These are people you're supposed to look up to. Right? No. Why are you looking up to these people? Because they have a talent for acting in a movie. Being fake is their job. No, and we hold we've these people about up that many times. Tell- yeah. And no, we act television like this- and movie screens are yeah. so important because they project outside of your house. They project the other parts of the world to you. So when you see those people, they become larger than life. I, and that actually yeah. brings me up to. Uh, I just watched the uh, the Thirty for Thirty documentary on Ric Flair, and I just watched it this oh, morning. Yeah, I missed that one. I, I've been it, it it shook me, man. I've been kind of well. It was a big time asshole. 
I mean, they were definitely playing that up on the, uh, even on the commercial, playing it up as what is just a complete and utter ass this guy was. Yeah, man. The 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 thought of him saying out loud in front of a microphone in front of cameras that every time he was home from being nature boy Ric Flair and just had to be dad and husband, he kept using the word miserable over and over again. I was just yeah. miserable. I couldn't wait to get back out of the house. I was just, I'm like, how does his family feel about that? My God. Right. Every time he talked about being home from his job or being in a small town when he couldn't go out and party afterwards, he was just miserable. Jim Ross told a story about going to a bar after a show and there was like eight people in the bar. So it was going to be a really, you know, a small evening. Obviously there's no big party going on and Flair had to buy dozens of kamikazes for the bar and, and get them, get everybody drunk and get on the bar and start dancing. He had to turn into a party because he couldn't bear to be just out having drinks and, and calling it a night. He could never do that. He always had to be nature boy, Ric Flair, the life of the party. He, he couldn't bear to be just a normal guy. He actually refers to his real name, Richard Fleer and says, I don't know who Richard Fleer is. I don't want to know who Richard Fleer is because I'm Ric Flair. And, and that's all he is. That's all he ever has wanted to be. And just the thought of how miserable he kept saying he would be as a family man. I just kept thinking about his actual family and how awful they must have felt hearing that. Yeah, it just that just kills me. You know, like I work a lot. I'm not home a lot. Any time I get with my kids is like, yeah, I just I crave that. I can't I can't not be away from my kids. It hurts when I'm not around my kids. But you know, you do things for your kids. As I'm sitting down here in my basement, I'm surrounded by like all my kids' toys and all this little stuff. All that is is just you know reminders that I'm gonna go to bed and in a few hours I'm gonna have them climbing into bed and probably jumping on me at some point here. But I'm gonna love it. My mm-hmm. wife complains, but you know what? I'm like someday, someday they won't be around doing this because they'll be off at school or they'll be out of the house. And then, you know we won't have these days anymore, and we'll be like, oh, remember when? Yep. So that's why I enjoy every minute of it. Yeah, so I was just kind of like, man, messed up. That's my idol, Ric Flair. I'm not going to do an hour-long yeah. show the day that he dies uh, talking about how just, much I miss him and me. all that stuff. Just warn me if you will. <laughs> I just won't call in. You could just go solo for an hour if you got to. But just to see my hero up there talking about how miserable regular life was and how much he dedicated himself to being Ric Flair. I mean, I still admire what he was trying to do and I still admire the character that he was, but man, it, it, it was, it was kind of painful to watch that whole documentary about him. It's, it's, if you're a Flair fan, if you're a wrestling fan, it's incredible to watch it. It's, it's, it's very well done. But, oh, my God, is it, is it heart-wrenching. Especially- Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, Lil. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.